one of the biggest things in my life is the fact that I've been a diabetic since my senior year of high school. Welcome to the Fred Opie Show, where you learn how to make a difference on and off the field. I'm your host, Fred Opie, an athlete turned author, producer, professor, and editor. I use my story and the stories of others to help you figure out what your gifts are, find the right places and activities to develop them, and give you a plan to give, save, and spend your money and time wisely. Brooke Sweet played on two U.S. national teams in 1982 and 1986. Sweet earned best attack win at the 1982 World Championships. Matt on Facebook asked Brooks about being in a commercial. Commercial? What commercial were you in? <laughs> One of the biggest things in my life is the fact that I've been a diabetic since my senior year of high school. I took a year off after high school because I became a diabetic right at the end of my senior year. So I had to move to Massachusetts and manage that. It was really tough to, to get it as a senior in high school. Ten years ago, I found this device called a Dexcom, which reads your glucose levels all the time. You wear it on your body. It's a little thing. The company found out I was using it and asked me to do a commercial. Flew me to Atlanta, wow. did a commercial with me, and I've been getting phone calls from all my buddies. Hey, you're on TV. College and the world games, I had a lot of trouble managing it. You know, highs and low blood sugars. Just about every teammate saved me at one point from being too low by getting some orange juice in me or a Snickers bar down my throat. Now it's like I'm a normal person because of this device. It's called Dexcom. You were a diabetic throughout your collegiate lacrosse experience. How did that affect you? Part of our culture that some people think to be a lacrosse player is you got to drink hard, party hard. How did that affect that? Being one of the few African-Americans in lacrosse, my relationship with, with my teammates were such that we had great respect and reverence for one another. But off the field, you know, I became a, just like you became a diabetic, I became a very committed believer. And so we didn't always mm -hmm. have paths that cross off the field. We loved each other. We respect each other. But there were differences because of the commitment I made. And it sounds like you, as a diabetic, you had to have commitments to keep yourself alive. So how did that interact with teammates that might want to pull you into something that wouldn't be good for your health? I think I earned the respect of my friends and teammates. I had to leave a lot of parties early. Mm -hmm. um, I had to forfeit going even out to dinner at mm -hmm. certain times with, mm -hmm. with friends. Dedicated myself to taking care of myself. Kind of a selfish thing that I had to do. But it, in doing it, I am proud to say that I, I never missed a lacrosse game in my college career. So wow. four years of playing college, three first-team All-American, one honorable mention. I didn't, I never was hurt enough or my sugar level never prevented me from playing in a game. I took care of myself as, as best I could back then. It, it prevented me from a few opportunities uh, with my friends, and it was really the right thing to do. Please email me at fdopie at gmail.com and share your questions. I will repeat them on the show so people get the benefit of your question and my response. 
Now back to the show. It gets back to something that I've had to learn more about in my 50s, which is self-care. You can't be any better than you take care of yourself. And you do have to be a little selfish. I tell my students, because this is a problem with a lot of colleges. I'm reading a book right now that's talking about, particularly young women, that there's this culture in college that to look good is to act like you can do everything easily and not to complain or to ask for help. And it causes a uh-huh. emotional and mental and physical illness, a lot of binge drinking as people are trying to deal as college students with this kind of culture. Beginning of the semester, I say to the students, if we have an assignment and you have other assignments that all of a sudden come out of nowhere, you come to me and you ask for a, an extension. And as long as you plan and do it ahead of time, I'll give it to you. You would be surprised, Brooks, how many students don't take me up on that because they don't want to look needy and weak. And I look them in the face when they finally get into a situation where it's almost catastrophic and they need help. I say, did I not offer you help? And I'd say, the reason I do is because I remember what it was like to be a college student myself. If you need help, ask for it. It's not a sign of weakness. And I just, I'm learning more and more that self-care for a lot of people is problematic. They don't want to reach out and ask for help. And what you said is, I had to be selfish. I had to take care of myself so I could be a good teammate. So I hope people hear that message. That is, thank you for sharing that. Because you had you had to be vulnerable and tell people, I never knew this whole time that you were diabetic. Never knew it. I don't think many people do, really. I have to tell you this one diabetic story. When I was in Boston coaching at BC. I was playing on a club team. We went out to UMass two hours. We drove out on a Sunday afternoon, played against the, the Western Mass club team. After the game, we went to the bar. We had a few drinks. I spoke with a guy for about 45 minutes who was in, intrigued in my diabetes. And I told him the whole story. Now, I'd been a diabetic for about six or seven years at that point. If I ever passed out or was getting ready to pass out. You have to give me like orange juice or Coca-Cola, something real sugary that gets into my body quick to bring me, to wake me up. So I told him the whole story, said it happened a couple of times. At the end of the thing, I said, see you later. He stayed out in Western Mass. I drove back into Boston with the team and went through the whole week. And now the next week, it was Friday afternoon, a week later, I'm driving back to my apartment from work and I'm two blocks away from my apartment in Boston and I'm at a red light and my blood sugar was so low. Back then you didn't have a way of knowing when your sugar was low. This was 40 years ago. I had nothing in the car to to give me sugar. Got to that red light and I passed out for about a minute. My car is stalled. Car's behind me honking at me. A guy walks by me sees I'm my head slumped over the, the driving wheel and he jumps in the car and pushed me over, pulls the car up because the car was still running and he gives me Coke or something and I wake up. You know who it was? It was that guy that I went wow. across again and he lived out in Western Mass, just happened to be in Boston that day. That is God. Wow. That same summer, 
at the World Games, I passed out the morning before the World Games. Had to get revived in the Johns Hopkins Hospital. The World Games were at Johns Hopkins. The whole day was a blur to me. The next day, wake up, play in the World Games, score seven goals in the World Championships, and voted the player of the world. Wow. It was tough back then. Being in heat, so many things that uh, dictate how your blood sugars are. I think it's education and information that our tribe needs to know more about. That's a wrap for this show. Thanks for listening. To hear more content like it, go to fredopi.com. If you have questions about advertising and sponsoring this show, contact us at fdopie at gmail.com. That's fdopie at gmail.com.